Well, it's the start of uh, 2019 in this coming week, and everyone, uh, well, certainly me in any case, looks back at the last year, looks back at what I set myself as goals, like physical goals, health goals, financial goals, and just see kind of where it all went wrong. And we're going to make some new goals this coming year. Uh, each year I try and watch Forks Over Knives. It scares the uh, living daylights out of you, makes you adopt a plant-based whole foods diet. And that always lasts for about a week. So I'm going to be starting that around Tuesday or Wednesday. I should be finished by this time next week. There's lots of different things we try and make the better us. Like this year it's going to be different. This year I'm going to try as hard as I can. The better me. What do we do spiritually, though? Spiritually, there's a whole load of issues with trying harder. We know for a fact that we want to be uh, confident people. We want to be full of faith. We want to be full of love and forgiveness and new life. And yet the reality for so many of us is we live lives of fear, judgment, and smallness. We're desperate to change ourselves deeply. We know ourselves so well, and we know what's so wrong with us. But we also know it's pretty much impossible to change ourselves deep down. We cannot change our hearts. Same time as well, there's the temptation, like, am I going to give 100% of everything I have to, like, this radical obedience this year? Jesus says to his disciples, like, come, come and take your cross. Come and follow me. Kind of like saying, come and die to your old life. Do we go all for that? Well, some might be thinking, well, Jesus also says, come and rest. Like to let him, let go and let God, let him take control. Do we go for radical obedience or we go for extravagant grace? Which one? And we know that we need healthy habits are daily devotions. Healthy habits are praying together. Healthy habits are praying to God, speaking and listening to God. Healthy habits are being in community with one another. Healthy habits are worshiping together. And yet we know if we just set ourselves goals based on going to church and reading the Bible, we know that Jesus took a wrecking ball to religion. He says, don't worry about externals. That's what Pharisees do. I've given you life so you can have it to the full and have it free. There's just so many pressures if you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, as you look at the year ahead. It's kind of what hope is there? We know that there needs to be something from within us, an effort to change, but we also know it's something that's beyond us. Hopefully by the end of my message today, you're going to understand uh, it's not so much the better you. Salvation brings the true you. It's going to give us a better understanding of what salvation is, and then the thing that that gives us. So salvation, uh, salvation is not a destination. Salvation is being united to a Savior. Salvation isn't just what we've been saved from, it's also what we've been saved for. There's a webpage called uh, the uh, life according to 321, it describes the gospel like this. It says, God is an eternal loving union of three. He has always been in existence, this harmonious love with himself. And he created everything. 
And we have two representatives as a human being. We have Adam, who represented us in his disobedience. Uh, through him, death came into existence. Or the other representative is Christ, who lived a life of perfect obedience, showed that he had power over death by raising from the graves. So we have these two representatives. And then we have one life. Do we choose the new life in Christ, or do we stay with our old life in Adam? And if you choose the new life in Christ, you are then invited into this love relationship with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't experience it fully now. We will when we're in heaven, but we have this down payment of it, this close relationship with God through God as Holy Spirit. And so salvation isn't eternal fire insurance. Salvation isn't a ticket to heaven. Oh, I've got the ticket, I'm good. Salvation is being united to a Savior, and not one that we just cling on to, one who surrounds his loving arms around us. The very heart of our destiny, the very heart of our true selves, is union with Christ. So remember anything, salvation is union with Christ. The Bible teaches that everything was created by Jesus. He is the Alpha, it says, and everything is going to be united under him in the fullness of time. He is the Omega. And this union of Christ is what we were always designed for. And when we accept Jesus' forgiveness that he brought for us on the cross, when we choose him as our representative, we have that union with Christ. And as we look at 2019, please don't think I need to try harder. I need to pull myself up by my bootstraps. Because we know what happens to all of those resolutions. Willpower only lasts so long. Willpower is a bit like trying to hold a beach ball under the water in the ocean. Like you can hold it there for ages. Whatever it is you're trying to keep mastery over. But at some point you just let go and the beach ball pops up. And if our relationship with God is based purely on our own willpower and our checking off the externals, it, it's not a secure uh, relationship with God. I'm going to look at there's lots of different biblical texts for union with Christ. I'm going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verses 11 through to 6, chapter 2. In this, the Apostle Paul had this new life in Christ. He used to be called Saul. Uh, he met Christ on the road to Damascus, had this life-changing encounter. And he's encouraging the church in Corinth for how they've responded to his earlier letter, which said, hey, there's some funky things going on in the church. How they've repented and how they're looking more fully at their new identity in Christ. And as he's writing to them, he's letting them know, hey, this is the big cosmic plan. God reconciles all of creation and all people to himself through his son, Jesus. And the key thing I would like you to take away as well is he says that when you're saved, when you've been reconciled to Christ, you are a new creation. So salvation also means you are a completely new creation. The old you has gone. It has died. It's been buried with Christ. The true you is fulfilling that uh, true you that God has made you to be in Christ. So I'm going to read the whole text, and I'm going to uh, focus on 2 Corinthians 5.17 as well. 
be reading from the NIV. You can follow along in your Bibles, your Bible apps. Here we go. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it also played into your conscience. And Paul's talking about how they're sharing the good news of God, this ministry of reconciliation. Continues, uh, we're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us. So you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we're out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised from them. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in, my time, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Salvation is being united to a Savior. It's not just a destination. It's not just being saved from our own old selves, where uh, Adam was our representative. It's also being saved for our new identity in Christ, our new creation. It's not so much uh, polishing up the old us, making the better you, trying harder. It's all about keeping our focus on Christ being unified with him, keeping this idea in mind that we've been united to a Savior. There's going to be an ongoing relationship. Keeping that in mind is going to be what helps us in 2019 become our true selves. Now, there is two things in relation to being the new creation. As we said, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'll read it once more. Therefore, if anyone is, sorry, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Your new creation is twofold. You are in Christ. You are in Christ, that's one side. The second side of union in Christ is that Christ is in you. I am one of you. I'm just saying in you because it's better than saying in us. Uh, I'll try, okay, we are in Christ or Christ is in us. There's two sides to it. There's two sides to the new creation. There's two sides uh, to the new identity we have in salvation. You are in Christ. This is the very heart of the Christian message. 
This is the very end for which we have been saved for. Paul, who wrote a lot of letters in the New Testament, he never used the phrase Christian. He uses the phrase in Christ, or a derivative like in him, over 160 times. And yet somehow we've forgotten. It's not just a destination, it's a living union, a relationship with Jesus. Mentioned over 160 times. You are in Christ means that Christ is your representative. Christ is my representative. He represents to God the Father everyone who has placed their faith in him. And we are united with him in all that he has done. Not just in the forgiveness of his sins. We are united with him in all that he has done. Not just his death, but his life and his obedience. Uh, Paul says, some, here's some verses which Paul gives. He says, we've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. says, we've been buried with him, Romans 6.4. He says, we've been raised with Christ, Colossians 3.1. And he said, we've been seated with him in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 2.6. When we are saved, we're united to a Savior so much more than we normally understand. If you want to try harder to become a better person, we are missing the point. It's being united with Christ. And all that he has is given to us. That perfect relationship with the Father, that perfect life of obedience, that righteousness is given to us. It's a wonderful thing. It's so much more than a ticket to heaven. And the good news, when we get Christ's righteousness, when God looks at each one of us, he sees Christ's perfection. He represents us before the Father. This is good news. We no longer have to fear judgment. We no longer have to manage our reputation. We no longer have to prove ourselves. We no longer have to worry about the externals. We are in Christ. And here's the mind-blowing thing about that. You think it's the greatest gift for us, and there is a side which is. But God showed his love, God the Father showed his love for the Son in giving you to Jesus. Does that make sense? So the, the beauty of Christmas is we've been given Christ's life the same point the Father shows his love for Jesus by giving him each one of you if you put your faith and trust in him. It's mind-blowing what God's view of each one of us actually is. When we look at ourselves, look at 2018 and look at 2019, it might just be like set an expectation and manage the dysfunction. In God's eyes, it's perfection and it's a loving gift to Jesus. And Jesus holds you in his hand. And nothing can separate you from his, his grip. So part of salvation, part of this new identity, part of union with Christ is that you are in Christ. The second part is that Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Christ is in me. This is really what Christmas is about. 
that gift of Christ being our representative. But it's not just him being our representative. God then gives the Spirit of Christ to live within us. God himself as Holy Spirit living within us. Now, you'll get different people, the uh, religious leaders, they continue on, their teachings continue on in the lives of their followers. So followers of Buddhism will say, yeah, Buddhism, uh, Buddha and his teachings live on through me. Like, I'm going to pass them on. Jesus is so much more than a commitment to pass on some good teachings. When Christ uh, is alive in us, uh, in the lives of his followers, it actually means he's living alive. Not just this memory, not just a legacy, not just these romantic ideas. He himself, as Holy Spirit, comes to live within us. In John 16, Jesus is comforting the disciples at the Last Supper. He's telling them he's going to die, and they don't want him to go. But he's saying, do not worry. I'm going to give you one much, much greater than me. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And people wonder, well, if, if uh, Jesus is fully God and the Holy Spirit is full of God, how can one be greater than the other? They're both of infinite worth, but the Holy Spirit is within us wherever we are, wherever we go. Jesus, as the only begotten Son, was in Palestine and Jerusalem for about 33 years. It's less accessibility, if that makes sense. So the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. This is how, when Christ ascends to heaven and gives the Great Commission, saying like, go and make disciples of all nations. Be these ministers of reconciliation. This is how he's able to comfort them. The end by saying, surely, surely I am with you to the end of the age. He's with his disciples always because he is Holy Spirit living within them. Our true self in Christ, Christ is in us, we are in him, is this personal, vital, like living, deeply real relationship with God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. So the true you is a personal, vital, deeply real relationship with God through Christ by the Holy Spirit. It grows like love in a marriage grows. And we grow more into our Christ-like identity. I have three kids. One of them uh, idolizes me. The other two don't. I'm not going to say which one idolizes me. Uh, but she likes to wear... <laughs> no, it's not you, Jess. Hi, honey. Uh, you can idolize me if you want. Uh, she loves to wear my shirts at nighttime. And she likes the smell, apparently. And I use a lot of deodorant, obviously. Uh, she likes... It's kind of like I'm near her and I'm present with her. And Christ clothes us in his righteousness. And Sienna, over time, might grow into a double XL and fit into my shirt. Um, she might not. But the same way, we have this closeness with God. And Christ's righteousness has already been clothed around us. But over time, we will grow more into it. Does that make sense? So it's already there. We've been protected and clothed by his righteousness. But as we desire more of God, 
As we desire that closeness which he gives us, we will grow into it. So salvation is not just like a head thing. It's not just a concept to understand. Salvation is a new reality to live by. Salvation is the true you. Salvation is being united with a Savior. Salvation is being a new creation where you are in Christ and Christ is in you. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Two of my favorite words as a teenager, which I'm now allowed to use as a pastor, so what? Uh, whenever we have teaching on the Bible, there is the, the so what. That's nice, but how does that move from the head to the heart to the hands? Like, what are we going to do with this? We've got a couple of applications for us. First one is change the narrative. So salvation is union in Christ. One of the ways that we can practice this union in Christ is changing the narrative. We have a whole new mindset. Two ways to change the narrative. First one is, is in our heads. So with the thoughts that you have, they're pretty much a silent voice going on all the time. Sometimes those thoughts feel like they come up from within. Sometimes those thoughts feel like they come from outside. But there is a continual coaching or narrative by our thoughts going on in our lives. Here's something to practice in your head. If you do it out loud, uh, you might end up at CDH. Do it in your head. By the way, CDH is a great place. Uh, instead of saying I, as we think about things, say we. So my challenge for applying it this week, I would sometimes pray, God, what would you have for me to do today? An application of this is, God, what should we do today? Does that make sense? Uh, so what should we do? Or what are you trying to teach me? There's this ongoing conversation with God. Jesus says, I'm with you always. He's living in us as Holy Spirit. It's much more open dialogue with God. So we place the I with we. Uh, the inner accusation as well. So some of our thoughts are inner accusations and condemnations. Uh, if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. Sometimes there's a conviction, which is, hey, that's your old you. Try filling out the new you. But when there's an accusation, there's one accuser. It's the devil. Where there's condemnation, if you're in Christ, again, it's from the devil. And so if that inner voice of accusation is going on, that inner voice of condemnation, those thoughts where you feel utterly defeated by a particular habit or sin or character defect, if you are in Christ, you no longer have to retreat and hide in shame. You can't escape God, but that's good news. You can turn to him precisely when you're tempted to hide from him. The very moment you stumble, the very moment you burn your hand because you put it in the fire, that's when you go to your loving Father. He does not expect or want you to prove that you've learned your lesson by hiding from him. The more we understand grace, the more we understand love. It's at those very moments 
just after a fit of temper, we go straight back to Christ. So we are in Christ means we're completely covered by his righteousness. Or if those thoughts and those condemnations are going in our head and we feel as we look to 2019, our present circumstance, I don't know if it's relational or financial, whatever it may be, we feel like we're drowning. As we look at 2019, we think, I'm only going to get more underwater. I am tired of trying to keep my head above water. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. We do not need to self-medicate anymore to take the edge off that panic. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. We don't need to reach for temporary relief, which ultimately destroys us. We are in Christ. We can draw on Christ. It's one simple thing in recovery. It's do the next right thing. And that's really helpful, whether you're in recovery from alcohol, drugs, or something else, or whether you're in recovery from your old self. Do the next right thing. You can do one step in darkness. We can hold on for one more minute. It's no longer, you know, it's no longer me is the, is the thought that we can have. I know, I feel like I'm going to drown. God, I believe that you're trustworthy. Help me to believe that you're trustworthy. I'm just going to do the next right thing in this situation. It might be making amends. It might be forgiving. It might just be not doing something. But Jesus says that in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Just worry about today. And Jesus talks about God's provision. So the same with us at the threshold of 2019. Union with Christ means that we can change the narrative in our heads. It also means that we can change the narrative in our lives. No longer do we have to show off about how spiritually righteous we are. No longer do we have to be the, the poster child for the best Christian life now. No longer do we have to be the poster boy for getting everything right. No, we can actually boast in our weaknesses. The Apostle Paul does this. And when we boast in our weaknesses, we are saying Christ is enough. I might be, have been this, I might have been saved from that, I might be trying to be this, but in all of the midst of my shortcomings, Christ is enough. In him I am perfect. And with this new uh, mindset of union with Christ, we can boast in our weaknesses. We also no longer have to hide from others. Like the Christian journey is a walk together. It's not occasionally turn up on Sunday, try and look like we're not dysfunctional, and then go about a week and not connect with anyone. What we do is we journey together. Let people know that they are not alone. Whether they can experience God at that moment or not, we can certainly represent God to people who are struggling. Uh, if it's slippy sand, we can say, I walked through that slippy sand five years ago. It feels like you're never going to get out of it. It feels like you're going to drown. But from somewhere, God turns up and rescues you. We can normalize the experience for others. We can also reassess our wins. Every year, I try and read the Bible in a year. Almost every single year, it stops at Deuteronomy. Uh, 
And I'm still going to try again this year. Uh, I'm no longer thinking, how was 2018? Uh, I stopped at Deuteronomy. I'd be thinking, how was 2018? Did I love well? Completely different mindset. Did I experience God's love to the fullness that he wanted me to? And did I share his love with others? Did I let God love me well? Did I love others well? And it's not about being perfect. It's about being uh, on the journey together. So salvation is being united to a Savior. Union with Christ is Christ in you and you are in Christ. The so what is change the narrative in our heads and also just in our lives. Second application is ride the bike. Ride the bike. I'm not going to explain that one. We'll just leave it there. Uh, as Christ says two things. He says, come and die. And he also says, come and rest. So which is it? As a pastor before, I've been asked like, hey, do you get grace? Are you one of us? I say, yes. And then to people that really want to live the Bible, are you one of us? Yes. Like it's both. Both to the max. Come and die to the max. Come and rest to the max. And we're able to do that with the analogy of a bicycle. Now, the problem with analogies is when you use earthly things to explain a God who's outside of creation, they fall short. However, when you're riding a bike, imagine that the extravagant grace, where Christ says, come and rest, that is the front wheel. Christ is leading us. As a Christ follower, we're going to follow him, but he is the one leading us. We've said to him when we put our faith and trust in him, I want to live for you now. So Christ is that front wheel, that extravagant grace. And the radical obedience which he asks us to do to follow him, we're the pedals. Does that make sense? So we have something to do. Like he gives us a new life. But our responsibility is to be in union with him. God's love for us, his transforming love, is never going to change ever, but our experience of God's transforming love can be impacted by what we do, what we say. So it's very much, it's both and. It's just ride the bike. We try and get the balance. Now, Einstein was very bright. He said, if you want to balance a bike, you have to keep going forwards. It's the same in the Christian faith. If you look at 2019, uh, if you're not going forwards, you're going to fall off the bike. You're going to scuff your knee. You're going to hurt yourself. You might hurt others. Yes, God will pick you up, but he has something better for you. He doesn't want you to be doing these things anymore. So we just keep going forward. 2019 is I want a union with Christ. I want to fully follow him. When he says, come and rest, he's going to clear all the mountains for me. And yet we have a responsibility with that as well. Uh, we have a default setting. So my one bit of self-reflection here is, uh, which is your default setting? Extravagant grace or radical obedience? Just know it, because you will drop to that pretty soon on in 2019. As a church, as an organism, as a community of believers, we will typically drop on one side or the other. So just be aware of our default position. And try and bring some more balance. Try and ride that bike. Try and follow Christ's leading. Come and rest. But also do that. Come and take up my cross and follow him. 
So for the new year, there's no New Year spiritual resolutions. There's no uh, try harder to make the better spiritual you. Pursue union with Christ. Pursue his presence. Change the narrative in our heads, in our lives. Try and follow him with obedience to him every day. One way you get the balance right on the bike is you read scripture and you understand it. And then you apply it. Our default would be we might read stuff into different texts or different passages. As a church, that's why we use about 50% of our teachings as Bible books uh, taught expositorily just to keep us balanced. Because we could easily come down on one side or the other to the full detriment of everyone who hears it. So the tensions and obstacles we face at the start of the year, are solved in union with Christ. It's not radical obedience or extravagant grace, it's both. We want to grow in love and forgiveness and this new life. We don't want to live lives of uh, judgment and fear and smallness. We know that we cannot change ourselves deep from within. We know that the hope is in us and outside us. Uh, What can we do? It's union with Christ is the answer. Salvation being united to a savior. It's that new identity. It's this vital love relationship with God. You are a new creation. You are in Christ. He is your representative. Everything he has is yours. And Christ is in you. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit. He gives us a new heart. No longer a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh that beats that helps us look at people with love and compassion, that helps us do things like Elissa is doing, which is sharing the love of Christ, that sacrifice to herself, sharing that love with other people. It transforms us from the inside out, and Christ being within us. He's within us wherever we are, wherever we go. Being united with Christ, our Savior, means that the external things will take care of themselves. If you want a love relationship with God, the devotions will take care of themselves. If you want union with Christ and a deeper love relationship with him, desiring that, the prayer life will go up. The church attendance where we live together in community, we worship together, that will increase. There's no point in changing the the outward behavior. Christ was all about changing the heart. And that's at in salvation, and that continues in that union with him. God's love for us, though, never changes. It's fixed, it's unalterable, it's beyond our comprehension, but it's within our possession. I'd liken it to being in a dark room. God's presence is pure light. Now, in heaven, we'll be walking into that room of pure light, where God is there in his glory and majesty. And all of the former things have passed away. But union with Christ is that when we've uh, accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, the door kind of opens and that light starts coming in. Union with Christ means this year, try just opening that door a bit more. Like we don't impact the lightness of the room. We don't impact God's grace. We don't diminish his love for us wherever that door is. For your own sake, 
be kind. Let's be kind to ourselves. Let's love ourselves as God loves us. Let's experience his love that he has for us. Just as Advent, you know, we had uh, joy, hope, peace, and love. They are all yes and amen in Christ. The new you is yes and amen in Christ. God is at work in you. He's at work in me. He's not going to stop. It's a yes and amen in him. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. I'm going to pray. And having prayed, we're going to do a bit of response time. So will you bow your heads as I lead us in prayer? Father God, at the start of a new year, help us step into our, our new true selves, who you made us to be in Christ. Help us grow in a personal, vital, living, deeply real relationship with you, God, given to us through your Son, Jesus, and given and sustained by you in our lives as Holy Spirit. Jesus, we are clothed by your righteousness. Help us to fill out into our Father's shirt over time. Help us to long to be close to you. Help us love well this coming year, just as you continue to love us well. Help us to become our true selves in you. Help us to change the narrative. Help us to get the balance right as we ride the bike. In your name's sake, I pray. Amen.